0: This episode of Heavy Cardboard is brought to you by BoardGameTables.com. While none of us needs a gaming table, it sure would be great to have one as the centerpiece of your game days. Go check them out at BoardGameTables.com and take your gaming to the next level. Now, onto the show. Heavy Cardboard Episode Forty Six, CAVM. Coming to you from the Cripple Creek Mine, South of Denver, Colorado. Welcome to Heavy Cardboard, where we talk medium and heavy strategy board games, war games, eighteen XX, and other related topics in the board gaming hobby. We're your hosts. I'm Edward, and I'm Amanda. So, hey, I'm not under the weather anymore. So I know people uh, online were like, wow, is it me or is Edward always either sick or just coming off of being sick? So I'm happy to say I am, I am fully healthy as much as I can be anyway.
1: And it's my turn. <laughs> <laughs> but mine, I think, is just allergies, but they are kicking my butt.
0: Yeah, it, allergies have been bad around here. Mm-hmm. And I know... Uh, our buddies down on brawling brothers podcast they have been mentioning how bad the wind has been kicking up down there in new mexico and it's been hellacious here Mm -hmm. off and on all spring um i mean you couple that with the with the blizzard and every we've had some crazy weather
1: yeah and i'm apparently allergic to trees is what i'm discovering because anytime i feel bad that's what Pollen is high as trees,
0: so. so we need to move back to the desert. You want no. to move back to Vegas? Is what you
1: are saying. I will deal with the trees. Okay, all right. <laughs> I will deal with the trees. So yay for baseball season!
0: Yeah, seriously. I'm. I know people are really excited to hear sports ball on the yeah. podcast, but uh, <laughs> it's it, it's funny. I, I was reading on one forum that uh, one guy gave a, the, us a chance, or you know, he listened to us for the first time, and he's like. All I heard was the first 20 minutes was about football and all this other junk that I don't care about. And they didn't even mention any games, da 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 And I'm like, you know, it's a lifestyle podcast as well. If you don't like it, you know, there's an unsubscribe button. There's
1: also timestamps.
0: Yeah, I know. Crazy. If you don't like that part, just <laughs> skip it. But anyway, yeah, baseball season's back. Our Reds are off to a very impressive 5-2 and two start. Should arguably be undefeated but it is what it is right we're expected to lose a hundred games this year so you know no expectations i just am trying to enjoy that day's game
1: yeah that's really all we can do
0: so go reds
1: yeah go reds
0: screw the cubs and cardinals and pirates yes everyone else hey have a good season guys So Weight Watchers, I am down 21.2 pounds so far. I have another 22.8 to go, so I am not quite at the halfway mark, but I should be next episode.
1: Yay! Um, I'm down 16 total. I just, I can't seem to go down any further. I kind of fluctuate the two or three pounds and then go back down to 16 lost, and then back up and then back down, so... I'm kind of at a plateau right now.
0: But I think maybe once uh, once things settle down here at the house and things kind of slow down a little bit uh, later on this month, maybe that is when we start looking at getting the bikes that everybody... That was the topic du jour. Like, not antiquity, not, not metropolis, nothing <laughs> like... Not games. It was all bike conversation, whether yep. it was Twitter, email... Uh, private message on Twitter or in the guild so we absolutely appreciate it and I think what we're gonna end up doing is uh, settling on a good lower end mid-range bike that uh, maybe not 1500 but you know you're talking maybe a thousand dollars between the two bikes thereabout, about and uh, and go from there to be able to you know start getting exercise so that maybe you can get past that uh, yeah that 16 pound hurdle you seem yeah, to be running can't. into
1: I really want my pens because I have little mini goals. Every time I lose 10 pounds, I get a present. And I love office supplies, so it's always pens. And so my 20-pound mark, I get some really awesome pens, but I just can't get there. I want my pens.
0: (laughs) Conclave of Gamers is next week. I'm looking forward to that. Most of our game group is going to be there at least for a couple of the days. I am going Friday and Saturday.
1: And I'm going Saturday only.
0: And Tony actually sent me a text the other day that he was wanting to get uh, his playtest of Indonesium played there, which is a riff on the indonesia system by splatter Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. uh to try and get it in good shape for to present to them at HeavyCon and get them to check it out and see how they like it so excited about that and if anybody's coming to uh, the conclave of gamers let us know hit us up and uh, maybe join us for a game of indonesium
1: Yeah, easy for you to say. Yeah,
0: right? Seriously.
1: (laughs) So we've been actually making an effort to play more and more games instead of just playing on the weekends. We've been trying to play during the week, which is honestly a little difficult with the show and and everything, but we're trying as hard as we can.
0: And I'll say uh, Mina from Mina's Cardboard, uh, she has been a good inspiration because that woman is a machine when it comes to playing games. She'll play... Probably two games a day, it seems. They don't have a TV, so that makes it easier, I suppose. Uh, But no, it's good inspiration for us. And we've gotten a lot of games played so far in April, which I'm really excited about. Whether it's just you or I or with other people from our game group, it's been really, really good.
1: It's either going to snow a lot or rain a lot this weekend. Or
0: do nothing, right? Or do nothing. uh, The early models had 44 inches of snow uh, this weekend. I have a hard time believing that. It's probably going to be, you know, maybe the, a little bit of, uh, of a thunderstorm and, and that's it. Which,
1: you know, either way, it's. I am not opposed to gaming in front of the fireplace, you know, ever. Right. <laughs> Bring out our folding table and set it up in front of the fireplace. And that sounds like a plan.
0: That works for me. Yeah. Zombie Apocalypse Live was a couple of weeks back, and it ended up being a lot of fun. A few of us from the game group, along with uh, some of our friends up in Fort Collins, made it out there. We had a really good time. It's basically laser tag uh, shooting zombies and stuff, and it was very linear, but it was it was well put on and a lot of fun and a, uh, a nice, you know, out-of-the-ordinary type event, so that was cool to do.
1: No, that's all you. I hate zombies. <laughs> but good, for, good job killing them.
0: Thanks. Keeping the world safe. Absolutely. Only three more episodes until we hit the two-year mark for the show. I'm excited to see what our our Patreon backers vote the game to review for our last show of year two.
1: That's crazy. I, it feels like you and Tony just started the show.
0: I know, right? It's uh, time flies. I guess, eh? Huh? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's what happens when you get old. Yay!
1: <laughs>
0: Yippee! So there's only one vote. Separating the top four games right now, Wildcatters, Fields of Arla, Tracyrian, and Small City. It's gonna be fun to watch how the vote finishes up. There's only, I think, six or seven more people to vote, and we'll know what the uh what the Patreon backer choice is going to be, so I'm excited about that. I obviously we chose the games that go on there, so we're looking forward to whichever they choose. But I'm I'm honestly I'm kind of pulling for Wildcatters. A, it's one of my favorite games, and B... I already have a ton of plays of it already, so yay!
1: Yeah, we played that game a lot already. Yep,
0: and looking forward to playing it more. Then, if, oh, absolutely. if that's the it's such choice, a great game. As y'all know, Arkwright won the 2014 Golden Elephant Award for being the best heavy game of the year. Well. Our buddy Clay, the founder of Capstone Games, is publishing the second edition of Arkwright and it's going to be released at Origins Game Fair in June this year. The exciting news other than the Golden Elephant Award logo being on the box is it's currently available for pre-order for an incredible 25% off. It's $60 on the Capstone Games website and you'll receive your copy well in advance of Origins. Copies are scheduled to arrive in the Capstone Games warehouse in early May and then all pre-orders will be immediately fulfilled and your copy will be shipped out to you. This offer is only valid for a limited time, with pre-orders available until April 30th. I really can't recommend strongly enough not only what a great deal it is, as the first edition was 100 bucks, give or take a few, but what an amazing game Arkwright is. To hear why Arkwright's so awesome, go back and listen to the Arkwright review in episode 15, and then head over to Capstone Games' website. That's capstone-games.com and pre-order the second edition of Arkwright for only 60 bucks. And when you do, tell them Heavy Cardboard sent you. iTunes reviews this episode. Thank you goes out to Tabarkarn, Maevena, Fubar Bay Blee and Salvi Wowvi from down in Australia. Much appreciated for the reviews. We really appreciate it. And it's only going to help the show, which in the end is going to help you all out as well.
1: The giveaway for a copy of the amazing Three Kingdoms Redux has come to an end.
0: Boo, sad face, whoa. But then again, <laughs> it was open for four weeks. So it was. <laughs> it's got to come to an end at some point.
1: Right. We had more entries for this contest than any other in our nearly two year history. We had almost 100 entries,
0: which is awesome. That's, yeah. uh, I mean, normally we'll get anywhere between, I don't know, 20 and 50 entries in any of the given contests. So getting almost 100, awesome. So
1: this tells me that we need to have more interactive and more difficult puzzles because you, you guys really seem to dig them. So And, you know, it helps if we have an awesome game to give away. Right.
0: That's, you know, I, I, I wonder wh- how much is of each. How much is, hey, we want we like difficult puzzles, and how much is, oh, this is an amazing game. I want that. So Why
1: don't you all let us know? But without further ado, Random.org spit out the number 56, which means... John Drake is the winner hey, of Three Kingdoms Hey,
0: congrats, John. Yay. Yay.
1: So uh, contact us at contact at heavycardboard.com with your information, and we can get that off to you. And thanks again to everybody that entered, as well as starting player for the giveaway. And we will have another great game to give away at our next episode.
0: Cool. Congrats again, John, and, and definitely thanks to everybody who entered.
1: We want to thank the great folks over at game Surplus for their sponsorship of the show. When you put together great people with a great reputation with a great inventory of games, which includes many imports and hard-to-find games, you have a winning combination. Their tagline is Home of Great Games at Great Prices, so check them out at Gamesurplus.com. If you're looking for an import game, or really any game that may or may not be widely available, don't hesitate to contact Velma at Games at and she'll work her magic for you. And when you do, make sure to tell them that Heavy Cardboard sent Alright, so why don't you tell everybody what we've acquired recently?
0: Well, we got a number of games since last episode. The four Japanese 18xx games that I mentioned last episode, 1891, 18sy, 18ss, and 18nk. And by games, I mean they're kind of game kids like I mentioned, you have to laminate them, cut them, and do all that stuff. But nonetheless, they're there. Or they're finally across the threshold and in the collection. Also picked up Kawaguchi's Gamble, Edson's Ridge, from the Wargamers Pay It Forward Geek List on BGG. Which is basically kind of like a chain of generosity. You claim a game, and then you put a game up there for somebody to claim. And you ship it to anybody in the world. It's really cool. It is. And this uh, was actually from uh guy over in the uk and it's a game that's been on my on my wish list kind of it's a well thought of war game uh that's one uh, that covers one of the most significant battles on guadalcanal in world war ii it's a tactical area impulse game from multi-man publishing so it has low counter density and it's something that i'm hoping you and i can get played sometime this summer i think it's maybe not a you know first game we'll we'll work up to this but i don't think it's going to be too far along before we can get into it so i'm awesome. i'm looking forward to that plus you know it's it's the marines on guadalcanal so obviously i i have a uh, interest in that
1: you Had a little soft spot for that
0: yeah something like that <laughs> also picked up magnum Sol and fresh fish from our buddy justin's local auction over at terra nova games he uh, he was wanting to buy a copy of Cave Evil and his girlfriend ended up surprising him with a copy of Cave Evil. So he sold all these games and now, well, I guess that just justifies being able to either, you know, buy more craft beer or more games. So- or,
1: you know, more hats, skinny jeans.
0: <laughs> Be nice.
1: <laughs> oh, come on, Justin. You know we love you.
0: Tony brought over a couple of uh, games that we've gotten as a part of the show that he didn't want to hold on to anymore, which are, include Craft Wagon and Steamworks. So happy to have those and hopefully get those to the table again sometime soon.
1: Yeah, I never got to play Steamworks.
0: Oh, you didn't? <laughs> oh, cool. Yeah, it's it, that's, it has a really unique uh, mechanic in it that you're building machines that are worker placement spots and as you add to them they do more things so you're actually building the worker placement locations for people to use both yourself and your opponents and it's it's really unique i haven't encountered any other game that does that so it has that going for it then there are a couple other games that i'm not sure i've mentioned in the past that's Honestly, I've slacked and I hadn't marked them as owned, but that we've had for a month or two, and that's Euro Crisis and the second edition of St. Petersburg. So yay, we got those, even though we've had those. Now, as far as hunting, anticipating, and all that goes, right now it's mostly just games on the Anticipation Geek list. Uh, We did get charged by GMT for Falling Sky, the Gallic Revolt against Caesar, it's a coin game sent in ancient Rome. What can I say? I'm a sucker for the time period. Oh, okay. yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Speaking of GMT, I got to say, there is no company right now putting out the sheer number of games that I'm excited about than GMT. They're absolutely killing it in 2015, 2016, so I'm happy to hear as... You know they're a company that absolutely deserves folks business so i'm I'm happy to support them and and I'm glad to glad to see them doing so well and obviously eighteen forty six is one of the biggest you know most anticipated games at least by us and a lot of our listeners so that's uh looking forward to that this summer as well so as far as looking forward to playing do you have anything that you're like yeah I can't wait to play this between now and next episode
1: yeah absolutely so the game that's up for our next review is Sekigahara. It's a block war game set in medieval Japan.
0: Right, which is going to be your first block it, war it is. game. I'm
1: excited. I've never played one of those before, so I'm excited about it. And I, I like the time period. It's interesting to me.
0: And it's beautiful. I like like it's the, the 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 board, the artwork and everything.
1: I'm also looking forward to playing the only game in Thomas Spitzer's Cole trilogy that I haven't played yet, which is Cole and Colony. I have not played that one in that that's you know, kind of want to finish up the trifecta, so I'd like to get that played as well.
0: Cool. I also want to get Ruchifert back to the table. Yeah, we haven't uh, played that
1: in a long time. We
0: haven't. Which is which is the first game in the Cole Trilogy, right? All right. Anyway, go ahead. Sorry. It's
1: Ruchifert, Colon Colony, and Hospital Connect, yeah? Yep. And then um, I still want to get a two-player Through the Ages to the table. We still haven't done that.
0: Which I have no idea why.
1: Me either. <laughs> because we're terrible people. That's why. So that's what I'm looking forward to playing. What about you?
0: Well, I don't know how realistic it is that we're going to get uh, both of these played. I mean, you mentioned Seki Gahara, so obviously I'm looking forward to that. But the other two that I'm really excited to play, but I don't know if we'll be able to between now and next episode Small City by Albin Viard and Trickerion, which mm-hmm. was all the rage on Kickstarter and it's got a lot of positive, positive uh, feedback so far. And I know that we're going to be reviewing that with a special guest in an upcoming episode, so we do need to get it played, start getting it played sometime soon. Right. So hopefully soon, right? (laughs) So as far as what we have been playing and not just anticipating, why don't you uh, start us off?
1: We've been playing a lot of stuff, which is awesome. We've been playing a lot of 13 Days. We played West of Africa. Cavum, obviously, Hansa. I got in the game of Oh My Goods, a little bit of a abbreviated game with Matt and Dana. Then we also played Bad Medicine, which is a fun little game by Gil Hova.
0: Yeah, that was that was just silly. Was just like silly. my sides yeah. hurt laughing. Silly I couldn't even end of the night. Fun. couldn't even come up with, uh, or I couldn't even uh, say the name of what one of my drugs was because mm-hmm. I was laughing so hard at the end of the yes, night. He was. So so perfect little end of the night filler, which is exactly what he said it would be.
1: Yep. And the game we played right before Bad Medicine was Skull, which is a little play on like Liar's Dice type of thing, but with no dice, just Bluff. And um, it's got beautiful artwork, which is really the only thing I liked about it. To be honest. Yeah,
0: I, I much prefer Liar's Dice or Bluff, like you mm-hmm. said. Um, I much prefer the dice uh, version of that type of game, but the artwork was really pretty. I like the Voodoo one.
1: And I will say that Skull is much quieter. <laughs> then, anything else?
0: Because <laughs> you don't have the dice rattling around. Yeah,
1: and my head appreciates that. And then while we, you guys were finishing up Catham on Saturday, me, Matt, and Banker Dave, and Stacy, Tony's daughter-in-law, played Splendor, which, you know, I know, I know. But I won, and that's Oh, know, so
0: all of a sudden that makes it a better game because you won?
1: No, I'm it's not It's still say- a crap game. I'm not. Hey, chill. Okay. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> I mean it's a fun little it's a filler you know it's not like the best game ever or anything but if you know you want to play a filler game then it's not bad all
0: right sure go with it
1: yeah <laughs> and then we played the little card game bisbee
0: yeah and this one i wanted to talk a little bit about it's a tiny little card game from stefan Reesthaus, who's the designer of arkwright i honestly picked it up only because it has Stefan Reisthaus' name, and it was like $14 uh, post-Essen and so I, I wanted to pick it up and just give it a try. Everyone has an identical deck of cards and plays one card simultaneously. It's got a bit of a rock-paper-scissors. Uh, type of thing, the I know that you know that I know that you know that you played this, and now that you're going to have to play that, since you already played this earlier type thing, mm-hmm. and for a quick little 15-minute filler, really clever, really enjoyable game. Of course, I'm talking about it, which means it's out of print, I apologize, but <laughs> there are rumors of it getting picked up, and uh, it may be, uh, may be out there in the wild again sometime in, in calendar year 2016, but... For a low price, little quick little filler, definitely recommended. I really enjoyed it. And then we also got a couple of games in of *Dominant Species* with our half pimped out version, uh, with the mini rubber animals that I picked up to replace the dominance cone. Gotta say, they look pretty cool. We tweeted out a bunch of pics and posted them on Facebook, Instagram, and all that. And I gotta say, it played really well. I was really nervous that because the Dominance Cones uh, are, tend, or are the same color as the player pieces for the species and everything, I was worried that it would be hard, oh wait, who's the penguins in all this? Mm-hmm. But come to find out. It was a total non-issue. It played really, really well.
1: It did. I really enjoyed playing with the little pieces. It just it made it a lot easier to just quickly glance and see. Oh, the insects have dominance there instead of it. That was easier for me than trying to figure out what color the insects were. To be honest,
0: interesting because I know
1: that a ladybug is an insect, and so that made it easy for me to just glance and see that you know that the insects had that or that the amphibians had that or or whatever it just that made it easier for me to be honest
0: cool all right and it was uh we got those from a i guess it would be a friendly local game store uh down in downtown denver called the wizard's chest Uh, unfortunately you really can't buy these unless you buy them in bulk like way too expensive but if you're ever in denver definitely check them out and they have those and it's it costs uh i want to say about 35 bucks to be able to pimp it out with the with all the different animals i ended up getting 14 of each even though the game only has 12 dominance cones but this way you can mark okay uh this color are the mammals which obviously the mammals are elephants Duh. um but anyway
1: it was Yeah, that was very enjoyable. Yeah,
0: it was definitely a good addition to the game. And uh, like I said, we played two games of it, which it's now my all-time most logged played game with, I want to say, like 15 plays of it now. So wow. that's kind of cool. We do need to review this at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, and for the first time, uh, I'm on a losing streak in the game. I'm definitely going to have to address that. I Apparently, I just suck at playing the mammals because I'm terrible at them.
1: Every time we play, we lose.
0: Uh, Yeah. So, uh, yeah, we need to get back to the spiders. So anyway, (laughs) so yeah, Dominant Species, definitely one of my all-time favorite games. And uh, glad to see that it's still hitting the table, even though it's got a bunch of plays of it.
1: Oh, absolutely. Our 18xx game of the quarter is 1860 Railways on the Isle of Wight. We got that played a couple weekends ago. And we will be playing it again on Sunday.
0: Yeah, it's... From what I've been told, it's a very British... 18xx and what i mean by that is it's kind of a gentler kindler 18xx Mm -hmm. but it It
1: definitely is gentler um
0: but it played really really well with Mm -hmm. three and it's supposed to be one of the better games that plays with two players so i think that's something that you and i can bust out on a on a quote-unquote school night one of these one of these days now that we know the game and we'll have a couple games under our belt i'm looking forward to to playing it more
1: Mm -hmm. for sure and then we've also been playing Omen, which is a fun little card game that everything's overpowered, and you're just you're just trying to beat each other senseless <laughs> with monsters and stuff. And it's just it's silly, dumb fun.
0: Yeah, it's uh, the, it's a good way to. Uh, I really enjoy playing the game. It's 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 a fun little filler, mm-hmm. uh, card game that it's best if you play multiple sets of it, like best two out of three or something right, like right. that in a sitting and it's short enough to where you can do that um so yeah omen reign of war good stuff and finally we also got a couple games of Hospel connect in which is the third and i think final uh game in thomas spitzer's cold trilogy what do you think about it
1: well it's not you know hitchhiker's guide so it's probably since it's a trilogy there's probably going to be only three not four.
0: <laughs> well played ma'am Thanks, well played <laughs>
1: But yeah, it's definitely the the lighter of the trilogy that we've played. I I mean, I haven't played Colon Colony, but it's my understanding that that one's definitely heavier than Hospital Connect.
0: Yeah, it absolutely is.
1: It's got a really cool tech tree type thing the first couple times that you play it they recommend a certain setup and then they also give you examples of different ways to set up the hexes that are the tech tree
0: yeah based on player count it's almost got like a roads and boats kind of it oh does. hey with this with this many players here are your options for different ways to set it up so we played
1: it three and four we haven't played it two i don't know if it plays well two or not but I think it scales down to 2 so it probably wouldn't be too bad. Mm-hmm. But I I did enjoy it. It's got it's got some some cool little things about it.
0: Yeah, I'm looking forward to playing it more and I'm sure we'll we'll hit it as a uh, as a trailer in a future episode.
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. All right, Edward. So we've been playing a lot of 13 days the Cumbid Missile Crisis and I believe I'm undefeated?
0: No need to There's no need. No need. <laughs> Designed by Asgur Sams Grunerud and Daniel Skold Peterson and published by Jolly Roger Games in 2016. It's a two-player only game, plays in about 45 minutes. So 13 Days is a card-driven game meant to scratch the Twilight Struggle itch in 45 minutes. And I have to say, it really does do that and it does it well. In the game, players play as either the US or Soviet Union during the Cold War, and through card play from a shared deck, players influence various aspects of, st- of strategic locations and political spheres. Whichever side has the most prestige after three rounds wins the game. That is, you know, um, of course, uh, unless one side has pushed the envelope too far and caused global nuclear war and prematurely lost the game. Oops. So cool stuff about the game there's tons of tension between the players as well as with it with the game itself each round you're getting five cards four of them are played if you get cards and you will for the other side they get to trigger the event the agenda cards you each know that which three agenda cards the other drew but not which they're choosing to score at the end of the round so there's a ton of bluffing and maneuvering and and fainting that goes on there The DEFCON tracks always move up towards war every single round, and you have to push your agenda while also tempering the three different DEFCON tracks and trying to back those down a little while also maybe pushing one up, backing the others down to make sure that you're not starting nuclear war. And you're also peace limited as far as your influence cubes. You place them all and you need more, well, you're going to have to use one of your card plays to remove from an area and weaken your position there, but possibly help by lowering the DEFCON level in that area.
1: I really like this game. We've played it a few times, I think three times now, and it it definitely fits the Twilight Struggle light.
0: Absolutely. That's exactly what it is. It's It's dripping with Mm -hmm. theme. Mm -hmm. It's got low rules overhead. It truly plays in 45 minutes mm-hmm. or less.
1: It's perfect for a school night, as we say.
0: Yep. Or even playing like best two out of three mm-hmm. if you Absolutely. wanted on Absolutely. that. Uh, very good production value. I re- The board is solid quality board. Uh, The cards are decent cardstock, but they're not exceptional, and it did come with sleeves to boot, so had it not, I would have sleeved it anyways, but I don't know that you would have had to have needed to sleeve them. Uh, The graphic design, while simple, is is tastefully done Mm -hmm. and very effective, and I like the color choices. Uh I know some people aren't too keen on the green, the orange, and the purple, but I don't know if that's a colorblind issue there, but I... I appreciate it. I like it. I think
1: it's fine. That never occurred to me that there might be a problem with those colors together.
0: It has a small footprint. Both the box itself is a small box as well as the amount of table space that it requires.
1: Yeah. At normal four player table, you could easily have two two player games going at the same time with no issue at all. Yep. It's very interesting to try to figure out your opponent's agenda card and thwart their attempts to get that reward
0: not just thwart, but possibly be able to actually score that that prestige for yourself mm-hmm. if you're able to actually beat them in the area that they chose.
1: It's also an easy way to figure out what agenda card they actually did select if they don't really seem to care that you're playing on an area that that they supposedly have an agenda card for
0: yeah again it's that whole bluffing and fainting you know that
1: i know that you know that i know that i know that you know (laughs) right
0: but you could also i mean there's there's how many levels do you want to go down that rabbit hole but Mm -hmm. also you could also just completely ignore one area until you know uh if you end up having uh or if the other player has the initiative and you have quote unquote last licks you can play, save a card if you have a card that's going to boost your influence in this area. So they're ignoring it because they don't think you're putting mm-hmm. any effort into it. And then all of a sudden, bam, and you win it. Right. I think that's really, really cool.
1: And I tricked you at one game. I really focused on one area that it looked like I had an agenda card for. And I actually had thrown that one away and went with something else. And it totally you, you fell for it hook, line, and sinker. It really absolutely I did. It helps whenever you know the person that you're playing against. If you really know them well, it's easier, I think, to bluff because you know, <laughs> like I know what I know what buttons to push, quote unquote, for him and you. For me, the same way.
0: That's that's a good point. Mm-hmm. I hadn't thought about that, but no, that's a total valid point.
1: Because if we played this at a con with someone that you'd never met before, I think it. It might be a lot more straightforward than it than it would be if huh. I played it with you or even, you know, like Matt, Dana, somebody that we play games with a lot. That adds another layer, I believe.
0: Huh. Yeah, I, I could totally see that.
1: But, yeah, I mean, this game also has huge replayability because it there's so many different cards. You're not really going to be playing the same game twice. I mean, we've played it three times and I've only ever played USA. I've never even touched the USSR. I have no idea what those cards really do, and that you know, I don't know what the agenda cards really do for them. It's just, it's, it's really cool. I, I really enjoy this game.
0: Cool. So as far as stuff that might not be the best, uh, honestly, the only bummer is that with the DEFCON agenda cards, they have a misprint on them. But since the game came with sleeves, it was easy enough to print out little paste ups there. And honestly, once you know the misprint, it's obvious what's meant, and the paste ups really aren't even necessary. Another note, and not really a downside, but as Amanda has alluded to, I've yet to beat her. I've accidentally killed all of you twice Mm -hmm. by not minding the DEFCON level, so um, I apologize for that, (laughs) people. The good news is that in the third game, I did not kill you. And by you, I mean all our listeners. I just lost the game by getting outplayed, and I gotta say, it was really nice of one of the designers to remind me that I'm 0 three against you uh, on Twitter. Funny guy, funny guy.
1: Every time you post a picture on Twitter, they're both of the both both of the designers are like, "Oh, did you win?" And funny.
0: <laughs> no, they're really active on Twitter. Yeah. It's cool to see, and uh, and yeah, I think they uh, I think they did a great job with the game. Absolutely. So the game is clearly attempting to be Twilight Struggle, the filler game and I'm very pleased to say that I think it very much succeeds in this. It's not going to reach the scope or depth of Twilight Struggle, but it doesn't try to. It keeps the feel of the game while at the same time makes itself its own game. The game constrains you with an ever-growing feeling of impending doom, and that's honestly hard to do in a little filler game. I didn't have high expectations of the game, but I was willing to give it a go and it blew past what I thought it would be. This is most definitely a keeper and something that's going to stay in our collection. I will give it a, a rating of a 5 on our 1 to 6 scale. Now, again, that 5 is for what it is. Is this Twilight Struggle? No. But for a filler, this is the type of filler that I want to play. Mm-hmm. Definitely mm-hmm. recommended.
1: Yeah, I feel the same way and my rating is Actually, the same.
0: All right. And that's 13 Days, the Cuban Missile Crisis. We were fortunate enough to be sent a copy of West of Africa, the latest release from ADC Blackfire.
1: Which is Spielworks, right?
0: Well, sort of. He's kind of the developer type on that, but it's not a Spielworks game. Gotcha.
1: And it's designed by Martin Schlegel. It plays two to five players and plays in about 60 to 90 minutes. So in the game, what's going on is players are sailing ships, cultivating and selling goods, and then ultimately building settlements in the Canary Islands in the 15th century. Each player has his own deck of cards that are used to plan out each turn. Each player has an identical set of cards. And they do each of the things that I mentioned above and each have a value on them. And the higher the value of the cards that you play, that determines how late in turn order you go. So the higher the number of the cards all added up, the lower down the turn order track you're going to be. You play until one player reaches 25 points, and then after that, each player gets one more turn Then final scoring. So I really like the art in this game, and the ships are nice and chunky. I really like, they don't really look like ships, but I don't care because they're cute and they're big and fat. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, I enjoy the artwork as yeah. well.
1: The mechanic of the card total determining play order is interesting and I don't think I've ever seen that before in any other game. Does it ring a bell with you?
0: You know, I feel like it does, but I can't I can't think of it off the top of my head. What game it reminds me of, but I've I've seen that, but it's it still feels fresh mm-hmm, in this does. game. You you're going to make your own choices each turn. More powerful actions equals likely later in turn mm-hmm. order. You get four cards that you can play for free, the fifth card costs, plus you're even more likely to go later in turn order, which then means you have to have a plan B in place because plan A very well might not even be an option anymore, especially if you're going go to go later in turn order. Exactly. And, that's, and that's something I feel like we really failed to <laughs> take oh, into absolutely. consideration.
1: Absolutely. One one round, I was very late in turn order, and all of my cards were specifically to build settlements on one of the further, furthest away islands. I looked down at my phone for like a minute, I look back at the board and everything that I wanted to do, Sweater Mike had just done. I was like, really? So I so, had nothing else that I could do.
0: Exactly. And so, again, that whole you have to anticipate
1: mm-hmm.
0: a, a plan B. And we've only played this game once so far, but we did want to at least you know highlight the game right. real quick. right. Um, so we're going to be playing it more, but it's it's something that we did not anticipate, and that's a that's a us problem, yeah, not a game yeah, problem. Yeah,
1: that's not a game problem at all. That's a us not really understanding how the game actually works out. Sometimes you have to play a, a full game before you actually understand how everything works in a game, and this is sure. definitely one of those. So we've only played it once with five. I definitely want to play it more with less players.
0: I agree. I, I definitely want to check it out with both three and four players. I wouldn't necessarily recommend five players mm-hmm. for a first time play. I definitely
1: would not recommend um, five for your first but play.
0: But honestly, that's that's usually the rule for right. all new games. You shouldn't max out the player count your first play. So, so we so completely again,
1: disregarded that.
0: <laughs> yeah. So do as we say, not as we do.
1: Exactly.
0: Um, but anyway, getting back to uh, everything, it seems, revolves around building settlements and mm-hmm. everything else that you do is to get you the ability to build settlements. And that's another thing that wasn't readily apparent to us at the beginning of the game. And by the time I realized it, that ship had sailed, pun intended. (laughs) And basically mike ran away with the game because he 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 figured that out quicker than the rest of us did so i think it would definitely be a different game in subsequent plays Mm -hmm. uh i think it has a really cool location i mean how many canary canary island games are out there
1: right and i like i mean the art's cool yeah it's got good bits it's got good art it's got a good base i think for the game we just we Honestly, played it poorly.
0: Right, and I, I think there's more than meets the eye here. I, I feel like it's mechanically simple, but maybe it's one of those it's kind of hard to play well. Uh, so, so yeah, I think there's it has a lot going for it, and I, there's enough here that I want to experience it more mm-hmm. and, and delve into it more. So, on the negative side, though, do you have anything?
1: Just not really having any semblance of an idea as what to your what your opponents are going to do. It 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 makes it hard to plan accordingly or honestly even sometimes to have a plan B like you said because you're you might even need a C, plan C and D depending on how late in order you are.
0: Which is difficult when you're only allowed four or five cards and a couple of those cards have to be locations to be able to do the actions etc. but again, I think this might be an inexperience issue we yeah. have with it. Yeah. Um now for me, the the tracking of the gold and, and moving uh, spending and, and gaining gold every turn for every player can be a bit tedious. And like I said, five players might not be the best way to experience it for the first time. And the only other question I have about the game is once settlements are built, the game is pretty much decided so I don't know if the game might go on a turn too long because once that once that end game, once all the settlements are built, That's now you're now you're talking a point or two here or there, Mm -hmm. et cetera, et cetera. You're not talking any big swings like the settlements have. So I don't know if maybe it might go on one round too long. But again, with one play, I'm not willing to make a a broad general statement, you know, definitive statement on that.
1: Can't really do that with just one. And also with one play, I really can't give it a rating. I don't feel comfortable giving it one right now. What about you?
0: No, I, I, I totally agree um it's definitely a work in progress but we did want to hit on it quickly and hopefully put it on folks radar because there's really just not a lot of information out there about the game so hopefully this helps
1: and that's west of africa all right edward so let's talk about cavum
0: all right cavum published in 2008 designed by wolfgang kramer and michael kiesling I don't know why Arnold just came out there, but whatever. (laughs) The artist is Michael or Mike Doyle, published by Eagle Griffin Games, as well as Quinn White Goblin Games. But the edition that we're going to be talking about today is the Eagle Griffin Games version. It plays two to four players, plays in about 90 minutes or so. As far as availability and cost, hey, it's out of print, of course, right? But it's available for reasonable, if not cheap, amounts on Amazon, BGG Marketplace, etc. Uh, right before we recorded this, I went and looked on Amazon. It's fifty-five bucks on Amazon. Uh, there were cheaper copies, but folks bought them this week. Hmm, I don't know why. Weird. Anyway. And I see them as cheap as twenty-five bucks in a BGG marketplace, so it can be had for totally reasonable amounts of money. So what's going on? In Cavum, players are mining for precious gems in a hex grid mountain surrounded by towns. They'll build t- mining tunnels, place stations both into mine shafts that they built as well as the towns surrounding the mountain. Discover veins of gem in one of six colors prospect for those gems and either fulfill recipes with those gems, i.e. contracts, or auction them off, all in the hopes of acquiring the most victory points at the end of the game. The game is played over three rounds and is essentially an action point allowance and route building game. In each round, players will auction for their choice of turn order using victory points. The winner of the auction chooses his turn order and gets the matching dynamite tile. The remaining players have another auction for their player order until all players have selected their turn order, after which players may select those contracts, which are recipes showing different combinations of gems that can score players large amounts of victory points. Then the meat of the game begins. The goal of each turn is to create a single uninterrupted route between stations that include as many veins as possible, all the while, when possible, hindering your opponent's ability to do the same. To do this, players must perform 12 total actions each round, taking between 1 and 4 actions in a single turn, and taking as many turns as needed to perform all 12 actions. Now, 10 of a player's 12 actions are predetermined, although the order in which they are performed is up to each individual player. Players take their 12 actions, which consist of laying tiles that represent mining tunnels, establishing collection stations both in the mountain and the surrounding cities, discovering veins of precious gems, planting dynamite to collapse undesirable tunnels, undesirable by either the current player or his opponents, and then racing through the mountain collecting as many gems as possible before the previously mentioned dynamite explodes. The gems that each player prospected may be sold at an auction that is influenced by gem scarcity or may be used to fulfill those order cards. The end of the game has a final scoring round and then a final sell-off of the gems, and whomever has the most victory points at the end of the game is the winner. So, we'll start off talking players, player counts, scalability, and all that. I've played the game either four or five times, and I've played it across the range of two three and four players i've
1: played at four and same here along all player counts
0: all right as far as scalability what do you think
1: i don't really think it scales because whenever you play with fewer players than the maximum of four you don't cut off any areas you don't mark off any areas that are not to be used with more players but it does play well with all player counts including two
0: huh that's an interesting point because I guess when you think about scalability, like like you said, does it block off certain right. things or reduce the number of actions that right. you have or something like And this game doesn't scale mm-hmm. at all, actually. Because
1: yeah, my, my thinking, whenever I think of scalability, I think, okay, this half of the board is not used in a two-player game. Or this side of the board is used in a two- or three-player game.
0: Totally fair point.
1: Catham does not do that at all, but it still plays great in all player counts.
0: It does. I, I do think it's better at some player counts than others, but I would not say no to playing this two-player, mm-hmm. even though that might not be the best player count. So yeah, I think that's totally good point. Good call. So let's talk about the cardboard, the components to start with. Personally, I'm happy with the components here. It's mm-hmm. solid, thick cardboard, overall just solid components. The gems ideally would not be the cardboard discs that they They would be are. actual
1: gems, but that would be hard to stack.
0: Right, exactly. And the fact that you have to stack up either four or nine of these... Uh, At a time on a single vein would make that impossible. Mm -hmm. So I understand why they're cardboard. But I mean, who wouldn't like little plastic gems, right?
1: Right, right.
0: Even the punch boards have really impressive art on them. And our buddy Matt hasn't thrown out his punch boards. And he's not going
1: to. He's going to keep them in the box because they fit perfectly under the board. I was told on Saturday.
0: (laughs) And they're just, they're they're pretty. (laughs) It's really good artwork. Mm -hmm. Speaking of the artwork, you have to look at the tunnel tiles closely yes there's artwork within the tunnels themselves and i i appreciate that attention to detail that the artist actually took and i'll be honest mike doyle i'm not familiar with any of his other artist work um so i might have to look into that the fact that he actually took the time to do little stuff like that i thought really adds a little bit of a theme and a little bit of color not literally color but color as in you know environment and 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 just enjoyability to the game
1: and as edward said the cardboard is nice and thick but the tunnel tiles are a bit thinner than the rest i will say but they're still easy to grab and pick up
0: well for you
1: well i do have little girl hands
0: right and and that's one of the things that i was going to bring up now we we've suggested those little handy vacs and they make little handy additions (laughs) Uh, to games that have tiles like this, whether it's uh, War Games, 18xx, or stuff like this, but they definitely come in in handy. As far as uh, the player mats, they double as a player aid, which definitely helps a lot. It it lists the flow of the game.
1: It's very well done.
0: It is. As far as graphic design-wise, I feel like everything's clear, and it's well laid out, and there's really no ambiguities that I've seen.
1: Not at all. The only the only issue that I have with it is just I'm such a font addict that I really don't feel like that they needed a bunch of different fonts on the gem tracks. They really could have just chosen one of them and gone with that instead of using the two or three that they did.
0: It was it was you and Tony KR yeah. that were like... Well,
1: the graphic designers of the group.
0: Right. It, it was like you guys were like, oh, somebody got a font pack and yep. wanted to use them all. Yep, <laughs> Whatever, that's exactly right? what
1: we both thought. It, it is a really cool touch that the... The pieces of jewelry that you use for your recipes have the same color gems in them that are that you need to fill the recipe
0: yeah i think that's a really nice that's touch and it's, nice it's touch. something it's something i don't know it, it seems like such a simple concept but it really adds a little bit of appeal to the aesthetic
1: just like on the tunnel tiles just right little nice Attention to detail. It's really really good and goes a long way.
0: But I got to say, there there is one thing, and maybe some of our European listeners or non-US-based listeners can help us out on this, but the scoring track travels backwards. You Mm -hmm. travel counterclockwise on this. Now, we're used to clockwise for... Everything else, and so I wonder if that was a conscious decision or if that's a again a European or non-U.S. based thing. I'm I'm yeah, ignorant on that, so I'm curious. But that that seemed a little bit wonky. But it's not. All the numbers are laid out on the track, so it's clear what direction you yeah, need to go. Yeah, it's just
1: a habit of going the other way. I read one review where a guy said that every time that he's played the game, at the end they've had they've been like, "Oh crap," and had to figure out. What the scores actually were because they were going in the wrong direction
0: <laughs>
1: the only other thing that i will say is the tunnel tiles are only printed on one side it would be nice if they were the same thing was printed on both sides it would be a lot easier to sort that way
0: i totally agree with that yes now normally um uh, a lot of 18xx games are not double-sided and we're used to that but it would be if it's the same tile you know if it's got two exits on one side have it have two exits on Mm -hmm. the other i understand it's a relatively low price point game uh so i understand why they didn't but yeah that would have been nice yeah for sure as far as the rule book clarity and quality now i heard the original edition of the game had a really bad rule book we're only talking about the eagle griffin game edition here and i thought it was laid out relatively well there are tons of examples as well as a full round playthrough at the end of the rulebook which definitely helps clear up questions Uh, there was a bit of confusion as far as the quote unquote can you skip some of your 12 actions but I definitely recommend checking out the FAQ that's in the BGG files on BGG, in the file section on, on the CAVM, uh page. Definitely recommended. and if you do have any questions, that should clear them up. Overall, I'd say it's a pretty solid rulebook, and to be honest with you, I was able to learn from the rulebook and teach the group later that day, so I didn't think it was a big big issue at all. All right, let's roll into fill in the blank here. What makes this game blank?
1: Medium heavy.
0: I completely agree with you. I know some people were like, oh, there, there should be something between medium and heavy. So here you go. There you go. <laughs> so let's start with the rules complexity, rules overhead, mechanical complexity, basically complexity. What do you think?
1: I think that overall, there's not very much complexity rules wise. There are a ton of little rules that the person that's running the game needs to know. And that are easy to forget but overall it's not you know you 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 need to lay a tile that matches one of the tunnels that come out i mean it's not you know it's not an insane amount of rules
0: Right. I totally agree with this. Um, like you said, the, the tile placement rules can be tricky at first. And it's it's one of those games that definitely benefits having somebody who's experienced with the game kind of GMing or, or running the game as well. And be like, no, you can't place that mm-hmm. there because they know all the little side rules. Um, there's not a ton of them, but there's enough that can... It's easy to forget and easy to overlook uh, some of those. And the one that always kicks my butt, even though I have you know a good four or five plays of the game, and is remembering that you can only station on a tile you just laid down. And not only you know if it's a tile, it has to be on the lowest level. Mm-hmm. It can't be a tile stacked on top of a tile. This is a me issue. It's not a game issue. It's just one of those chrome things that. For gameplay, you just you just need to know the rule, yeah. and it's it's one of those to where maybe um, and those are not laid out on the player aid. So it's those little little caveats to the rules that uh, that can trip you up. Mm-hmm. Other than that, I totally agree. It's it's not a highly complex game um, as far as rules complexity. Let's talk about the planning, forethought, thinking ahead, organizing, etc.
1: You have to you definitely have to plan in this game you have to plan what tunnels you're going to lay because whenever you're whenever you first start your turn you get one of each type of tile but then you also get two bonus actions where you can use those to purchase other tiles that are on the board so you may need to use two six-sided ones and that's okay because you can buy one but you you have to think about that you have to think about what happens if someone lays down all of this I've laid down all of this and then someone puts a stick of dynamite down and it blows it all up. You have to think about that. You have to think about making room for veins because veins can't go right next to another vein and they also can't go next to a city. So you have to make sure that you're out far enough to where you can put down another vein.
0: But then you need to be able to lay another track past that and then station it so that you can include that Mm -hmm. in your run.
1: Yep. Yep. You have to make sure that you have... The getting stations laid in cities because that gets you some good points there.
0: As well as let you pass through and extend your route to be able to travel into and then out of the city. And
1: then right back out of it. You also need to make sure that that you're using those stations to block other players as well. Not just... You can't just look out for you. You have to make sure that you're also blocking other people from being able to get to the gems that you just laid down.
0: So I would say it's a fair mix of tactical and strategic play, probably bordering more on the tactical side than the than the long-term planning. Would you agree? Yeah, absolutely. All right. As far as luck and random factors, what you got?
1: The only randomness is the order in which the order cards come out.
0: Yep, because all 15 of them are going to come out at some point in the game, whether it's the first, second, or third round. It's just a matter of when. Other than that, now le- let me ask you this. So, uh, one of the big gripes about the game is the quote-unquote dynamite that's in the game. Would you consider this a randomness or a, a, a anything like that?
1: I don't think it's random. I feel like that if you don't plan your route well and part of it gets blown up, that's not randomness. That's poor play.
0: Yeah, and I think it's it's an intentional act by the other players, so it's not it's mm-hmm. player induced variance, I mm-hmm. would say, yep. more so than randomness. Absolutely. All right. So, last but not least, the getting it. How long do you think it takes?
1: I think one round because it's important to see how the dynamite happens, how that chain works before you can fully plan for it in the future.
0: Yeah, I think so. The the one thing that you need to be aware of is at the end of the game, after the three identical rounds, uh, you have an additional city scoring that takes place after the dynamite explodes, as opposed to before, which normally happens. And you need to be aware of that. But other than that, I would say sometime, you know, mid game or so, I would agree with you. Uh, it's not, but it, it's not a overly complex game, but it is deep
1: very mm-hmm. very deep yep
0: all right so let's roll into our favorite part of the root re- yes. review which is what makes the game enjoyable and why i'll start out with oodles of creativity in the sandbox that the game provides there are so many different choices uh do you extend existing track do you block other players with that perfectly placed station? do you build on top of existing track and chain change the direction of the mine from where it was headed to where you need it headed now, and in turn, maybe you screw somebody in doing that. Strategically placed dynamite can be devastating for that turn, but can also rebuild and and change how it was in subsequent turns so it actually could be a, a, a positive thing mm-hmm. and not just destructive.
1: Yeah, I've even laid down a dynamite on something that would blow areas of mine up because I wanted to rebuild it better than it was. Exactly. Yep. I also like fulfilling the order cards, especially if you can do it for huge points. That's just, you know, dumb fun that you get to turn over these four gems and suddenly you have 26 points that you get to peg on the board and building a route that allows you to pick up five to eight gems on a run, like whenever you're prospecting that just I mean, you can probably hear the smile on my face. I just, I love doing that.
0: I I do enjoy being able to be extremely creative in the routes that you take because the whole rule is you have to start at a station. You can't go through anyone else's station and you must end at one of your stations. So you can take the longest, most convoluted mm-hmm. route you could possibly think of, but it really, it encourages creativity in the way the tiles are laid, not just tile next to tile but tile on top of tile Mm -hmm. and then you're talking about maybe somebody laid a a two exit dynamite tile and now you have this three exit tile that you can place on top of it so now all of a sudden the dynamite's covered and you don't need to worry about the dynamite blowing up
1: Mm -hmm. that's exactly what happened in our last game matt put down a four exit tile and didn't see that I had a, a four exit dynamite tile. And he didn't see that I had a six exit normal tile. And I just plopped that right on top and it didn't hurt me at all.
0: And that just rolls into the whole, A, interactivity mm-hmm. of the game. But also you absolutely have to be conscious of what other players, A, what, they, what actions, what they're building towards, what they're trying to do. But also are they taking, because you have one to four actions that you can take per turn, Of the 12, are they kind of stringing themselves along and kind of moseying on through their Mm -hmm. actions? Or are they racing... To try and prospect earlier even though maybe they're later in turn order so that they can get that last gem on a vein before right. the first player or someone earlier in turn order get uh, speculates or uh, prospects before them and it's just you absolutely have to be conscious of what tiles other players have remaining on their board as well as do they have those option tiles to be able to exchange for different things and it's just there's a lot to take into consideration but i mean isn't that why we play these games yep. we we enjoy that aspect right
1: absolutely and it's it's thought provoking and it's deep but it's not brain it's not so much of a brain burn that you can't play another game after
0: that's a good point because there there are certain games that afterwards you're just mentally exhausted exactly. from. And this absolutely is a brain burn, but yeah, I, I would totally agree with that. Good call.
1: It's a brain burn, but you're not wanting to just go to sleep afterwards or play, <laughs> you know, a game that takes absolutely no thought whatsoever.
0: So each player has one of each of the two, three, four, and six exit tiles which you have to lay on your turn. In the timing and the turn order matters. Do you screw over, you know, and, and build over opponents early, but if you do that then they can adjust cuz they can just build around that. Or if you build your safer six exit tile because you can't build on top of that because it has it's the it has the most exits possible that leaves other tiles that you have to lay But now you're exposed on these others and you give other players the ability to dictate to you what's going to happen Mm to those tiles as opposed to the other way around. Exactly. So placing stations obviously is a huge key decision. If you put them too close to one another... I mean, it's safer, but you're kind of wasting your stations. You're not really making best use of them. But if you place them too far apart and there's too long of a route in between, players can cut cut your path off either by ex- using dynamite to cave in part of your part of your route or by doing that and then subsequently laying new tile and stationing off to where they blocks you out. So building stations also on key choke points, it helps you it hurts opponents and it protects that tile from dynamite because dynamite can't blow up tiles with veins on it, and it doesn't do, uh, blow up any tile that has stations on it. So it can be offensive as well as defensive with those stations.
1: Yep, and I feel like the stations are a very good gateway into 18xx games because it's very important to understand how stations work in XX games anyway, and this is a good way to a good jumping-off point game to understand that. If that you can't go through that station, or you can stop there, or whatever, and that's that I learned the hard way a long time ago about eighteen XX games and stations, and so this is a good way to to get your feet wet a little bit in that.
0: That's a good point because it does have a bit of an Age of Steam slash eighteen XX route building mm-hmm. aspect to it. Now the rest of the game is totally nothing like no, either of those not at all.
1: But laying down track and the stations, it's, both of those are very good gateways into tougher quote-unquote route builders like age of steam and 18xx
0: yeah i can get on board with that but the caveat to that though is the route building in those other games that we just mentioned they have a rule in which you must honor existing track Mm -hmm. exits whenever you upgrade and this flies in the face of that because you do not have to. You just have to match an exit. Right. So you can completely change the direction of a mine, And that also takes some getting used to coming from mm-hmm. that Age of Steam 18xx background. It's just something that you need to adjust and be aware of. Um, but if you're not familiar with those games, then it is what it is. Just know that there's a difference there between right. them. And I'm not saying one's better or, or not. It definitely is m- arguably more predatory this way uh, because you can completely, oh, no, you know that straight line you just had? No, now it wise off. Sorry, you can't go there anymore. Yep. yep. Uh, but, yeah. you know, so. <laughs> so
1: maybe that's something that you, you slap a dynamite on top of to get rid of, and then you can rebuild
0: yourself. There you go. So five plays in, and I got to be honest, I'm still surprised at how crafty and how many ingenious ways that all of y'all lay tiles and overlay tiles. There's just, there's oodles of replayability and as you play with different players, you're going to see new ways of thinking about laying that tile because it's not... It's just a giant sandbox and there are ways that you are used to laying tile or thinking about laying tile and other players can introduce and just completely blow your mind and be like, "Oh, snap. I didn't even mm-hmm. think of that. I'm going to steal that. Thanks. Right. I'm going to I'm going to absolutely use that." It's it's definitely a game that I feel we're going to continue playing even after the reviews done here. It's one that I'm I'm excited to play again
1: yeah for sure for me too i haven't gotten tired of it at all there's still so many other things that i want to explore in the game
0: totally agree so what do you think about the fact that veins cover existing track and when they're depleted they re-expose that covered track so veins act like six exit tiles uh but only while they still have gens on them and it can be a bit predatory uh, in a sense that, oh, did I just empty that vein and now you don't have the path that you thought right. you did? Oh, I'm so sorry, not sorry.
1: Yeah, exactly. You can really, uh, that, and that would be one reason to rush through your 12 actions is so that you can prospect, get that one last tile off or that one last gem off and get that vein picked up and then now your opponent doesn't have that perfect route that they thought they had.
0: So let's talk a minute about the dynamite because that's one of the big um, points of contention about it. Uh, so which dynamite tile you get, uh, the two, three, four, or 6 exit dynamite tile is just like any other tile except this one explodes at the end of the turn. Uh, so the cool thing about it though is it's tied into the initial player order auction because whoever goes last has the most versatile dynamite. You might go first, but you have only the two-exit dynamite. So I kind of dig that it's tied into that auction. You can use it to clear out space so that you can station it in the following turn that you were possibly previously blocked out of, Uh, but it doesn't crush opponents since stations protectiles, but it does allow for almost like a new... Regrowth of the mine, and so things can build in different directions. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't see it necessarily as a completely hey, just take that action. It can it can be a positive thing mm-hmm. as well.
1: Absolutely, it can also be used for just one round of using those tunnels.
0: Oh, you mean like when, like laying yeah, your own of, yeah. dynamite on your exactly. stuff?
1: Use part of that as your route if you can't do anything else, but you really need that one tunnel in order to be able to pick up that one last gem or whatever you can definitely use I've used dynamite before for that
0: yep and, and that kind of piggybacks onto. to um, because city, city scoring happens prior to dynamite blowing up, it's a way that the game induces player driven variance as opposed to randomness. And like you said, you can still score that city using dynamite. Now, it's going to be gone for the next turn, obviously, and you'll have to rebuild out to that city. But at least for this one turn, if you wish to, you can score those, I don't know, two, three, four, five, six points for that one turn, even though it, it it's it's very much a a short term solution. So at game day, uh, most recently, Tony said that he really had his had trepidation about the dynamite, and halfway through the game, he said, "Yeah, okay, it's a total non-issue." And Honestly, he was pretty enthralled with the game. He's really excited about playing playing the game more. So that was that. I I was glad to hear that he was willing to give it a shot because that the dynamite really scared him as far as quote unquote randomness. Mm-hmm. But I feel like we've we've hit on that it's 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 a not random thing.
1: It's just not random,
0: <laughs> right? Because the dynamite is going to blow up. The, obviously the, the dynamite tile itself, it's going to blow up every adjacent tile as well as any tile that is below the dynamite and only the top level of the ones adjacent to it. So it is possible to get chain reactions. So if somebody is built on top of another dynamite tile and dynamite blows and it exposes it, boom, now it blows up again. Those are pretty few and far between, yeah. but it is something to be aware of. It's almost like... Uh, uh, sweater Mike mentioned that yeah, there there are little presents for people that he covered up some dynamite and as with vein or with uh, with other tiles and as they get exposed. Oh, hi. Kaboom. <laughs> Surprise. So there are incentives for going early and late and rushing and mosing through your actions. Uh, like you hit on earlier, if there's only a gem or two left on a vein and you really need it, you might either Want to go earlier in turn order, or if you end up going later, maybe you rush through your actions to where you, okay, I take four actions, boom, I take four actions, boom, I take four actions, at the end of that, boom, I can finally prospect. Right. And maybe hopefully you beat other people if that was what you were going after. The thing to remember is you only have one prospecting trip per round and it must be your 12th action. So if you're taking four actions per turn, that means you're going to have three turns this round and then you can prospect. But there have been times and there absolutely are legit reasons why maybe you only want to take one or two actions at a time and be the last one to prospect so that you can develop things as you want and quote unquote have last licks. Right. As far as being able to do things at the end. So what do you think about the fact that there's only a single currency in the game and that everything that you that you must pay in the auctions or that you gain are victory points. Do you like that?
1: I do. It makes it 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 adds to the kind of simpleness of the game to where you don't have to worry about poker chips and, and all that kind of stuff as but well. But
0: also it adds to the tension because mm-hmm. okay, you're you're you really need to win that auction, but you're it's costing you points. Exactly.
1: Yeah. It's very it's, it's hard to want to spend more than like three or four points on turn order.
0: But you do what you got to do, exactly. right? Exactly. So the variable market for the gems at the auction, which is more important? Do you sell gems at high value or do you fulfill contracts for lots of points? And Which circles back to do you try and monopolize a color for high value? Uh, you know, controlled auctions, which what direction you're going to do? Are you going to try and do all contracts or are you going to try and monopolize a color or two and be able to sell these gems for seven, eight, nine a piece and maybe sell them for four and five times or sell four or five at a time so that you're scoring equivalent points to the contracts? So you're not just pigeonholed in, okay, you have to get contracts to be able to win the game. Mm -hmm, Right. I appreciate that the market is dictated by the players, by what veins and what gems they choose to seed those veins with.
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely, it makes it to where if you if you have a lot of blue already and you don't have any order cards that need blue, then maybe that next vein that you pick will just happen to be blue, and you'll get more that you can sell. Because whenever you take them, obviously it depletes it and makes them worth more.
0: Exactly. And then finally, there's the reverse auction. So we were talking in our auction episode that, yeah, I wish there, what games out there have reverse auctions? Well, here we go. So here's one, because at the end of every round, you're going to be able to sell off any gems that you wish to sell. But it's 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 a reverse auction in the sense that if I'm player one and we're auctioning uh, the gold colored gems, okay, The lowest number shown is seven. Okay, so that's the highest that you can sell the gems for. So I say, okay, I'm going to sell my yellow gem or gems, which is unknown to other players, for seven. And then maybe you come around and be like, nah, I'll sell them for six. And then Sweater Mike says, I'll do it for four. Okay, I pass. I'm not willing to sell my gems for that little. Hoping that someone makes another vein in the future uses up those gems and exposes those higher numbers on the gem track so that in subsequent rounds, I can then sell those for a higher number. And I really, I appreciate that. And it's exciting to finally see a a game that makes use of it. And I say finally, but I mean, it's a 2008 game, but it's new to us at least, you know? It's new
1: to us, so therefore it's new.
0: All right, so on the flip side, things that either we don't like or that people have said that they don't like, in boy, this is a very divisive game in that respect. So the biggest complaint, without a doubt, is AP. If you have AP-prone players, I've read some groups taking three, four, or God, even five wow. hours to play this game. That is very much a player issue, not a game issue yes. in my opinion, but your mileage may vary. We don't have that issue Mm-mm.
1: Yeah, no, we don't have that issue at all, even even with ones that are at maximum player count. I mean, maybe we just play fast. I don't know.
0: I don't know. The AP stems from the sheer number of options. It's a giant, if a giant sandbox scares you, this is not going to be the game for you. Uh, the decision breadth is too wide within each turn. Too many possibilities. That's some of the critiques that I've read, but really too many possibilities. I that's that that that's a positive to me, not a negative. But some people see it as a negative.
1: It, to me, it can kind of be a little bit samey with regards to strategies from play to play, and I mean that by only the initial laying of the tiles, the opening tiles. I feel like sometimes people can just always do the same thing on their first turn.
0: Oh, because of the static setup. Yeah, because the, okay. the set,
1: there's always a there's a two exit coming off of every city on one side of the board. And sometimes if you play with the same people, they will always do X out of that city, and then they'll get started. So def- there's definitely a groupthink type of situation here that can happen with the opening lays. I don't feel like it's samey when it comes to other portions of it, but definitely in the opening section of it.
0: All right. So downtime is another gripe that people have. But again, that kind of ties into AP if you have people tanking really long. So it's going to be a long time in between your turns. But again, we don't have this issue. Not at all. Uh, We mentioned the, the picking up and placing of the tiles can be a little... A little harder for some of us with bigger hands, but again, um, definitely check out those handy vax, which they're useful not just in this game, but they're useful for a lot of different games. So it's it's kind of a bigger box, like physically, it's it's a bigger box uh, on the shelf. It's not quite antiquity roads and boats size, but it's it's definitely not a bookshelf size yeah, no, box it, it as well. it doesn't
1: fit in our calyx shelves at all we have to turn it to the side to get it to go in
0: right so that's just i know some people are are very space conscious on that so what do you think about this that the game might not get people really fired up to play it yet once they do play everyone really enjoys it yeah i would say that i mean it's not a game that you're like man i can't wait to get home and play cavim
1: right but once you once you've played it a couple of times then yeah you might be saying that I feel like the order card should have more of a punishment when unfulfilled because even like a twenty-two point order card, if you don't fulfill it, you may only lose like two points, and I feel like there should be more than that.
0: I agree that that it seems like disproportionate. Like the like oh okay, there's very little risk, exactly. especially because if you have these order cards, if some of them are not selected in a given turn, they're they're added two two victory points, immediate victory points are added to it each round to kind of entice people to take those order cards. So if it's a minus two order card, if you don't fulfill it, and it has two of those victory point chips on it, that's four points right there, Mm -hmm. even without doing anything. So there's no risk whatsoever. And that just seemed a little off. I guess. Yeah,
1: it just doesn't seem. It doesn't seem right to it me. It doesn't
0: seem punitive no, enough. No, not
1: at all. Because why wouldn't you grab that huge one to get it away from someone else? You're only going to lose two points if you can't fill it. So who cares? That right. just, it feels like it should be like maybe at least half of the points that you're going well, to get anyway, or something. Just something more than two or three anyway.
0: Okay, the, the something more, I agree, but the half that might be a bit much. <laughs> 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 all right. So the last thing that I have here is I went through some of the comments. Uh, for people that have the game rated really lowly. Mm -hmm. and This should be fun. Yeah, I I enjoyed it, and I got a kick out of some of these. So I thought I would share them so that people understand that these are not issues that we have with it, but just to give a well-rounded frame of reference. Here we go. Not a friendly game. Okay. Fiddly rules, fiddly pieces. Again, you're talking to people that play Roads and Boats in Antiquity. (laughs) Right, we don't care. (laughs) This game loves to take you way down the the decision tree. Yay!
1: Yay! Where the problem at?
0: Too much scope induces analysis paralysis. I I agree with that, but you just need to be conscious of that. Mm-hmm. Too many auctions. Wait, what? what?
1: Is there such a thing?
0: Maybe too much depth. <laughs> I've never heard that before as a negative for a game, uh-uh. but again, uh, the. It's valid to these people, so I have no. Uh, I'm not. I'm not going to dog them for that. A fascinating exercise in analysis paralysis and downtime. <laughs> <laughs> Though it's not a bad game, the amount of bumping elbows absolutely isn't for me. Totally valid. Okay, fair point. And then my two favorites. Here we go. Really stressful amounts of interaction. <laughs> and my all-time favorite. Long and hard, and then you get screwed. <laughs> that (laughs) that's awesome
1: that's really good i like that one
0: all right let's roll into the summary what you got
1: as you wipe the sweat from your brow and try to get the dirt and dust out of your eyes you think you see a gleaming something in the corner what is it is it an emerald ruby sapphire have you finally reached the deepest part of the mine and found canary diamonds yes you have you can now take that canary diamond along with the ruby and sapphire already in your pocket to the jeweler in town, and he can now make that beautiful bejeweled dragonfly that he's been just going on and on about. Cavum is a game of auctions, pick up and deliver, route building, and explosions. Those explosions can hurt your opponents and help you win the game. It's a beautiful game with beautiful bits beautiful art. But the most beautiful part is the gameplay itself. It's not only fun but makes you think and plan ahead, which adds to the fun, for me anyway.
0: For me, sum it up real simply, it's a game I was really unsure that I would like, and it is absolutely become one of my top 50 favorite games that I've played. It's one that I cannot wait to play more, even usually after we review a game, we need a break from it because we've played it so much in a short amount of time to prepare for the reviews. I don't see that as a problem here. I would rank it up there as one of the just most enjoyable, sandbox, creative, just gets the juices flowing in ways that other games don't necessarily do. And for that, I am grateful that we have this game and I cannot wait to play it more.
1: So let's go over our rating scale a little bit. We rate games from one to six, one being, it's not me, it's you. We have no interest in ever playing this game again, just light it on fire. Two is, it's not you, it's me. We simply just don't like the game. Three, we feel the game is below average. There may be some redeeming feature of mechanic or something, but overall just meh. Four is we feel the game is above average. Mechanically or in gameplay, there's something good going on and we may even wish to own a copy. Five is terrific, even a great game. We strongly like the game and are likely to own it. Six is a hall of fame game potential for us. No brainer, drop what you're doing, run out and buy it now.
0: So, without further ado, your rating, ma'am.
1: Cav'em, to me, is a five.
0: I wholly agree. Yeah. That's exactly what I have it as, yeah. as well.
1: It's a great, great game.
0: It really is. And one that isn't going to be for everybody, but it's one that we definitely recommend everyone trying, at least. But if this sounds like something that's right up your alley, definitely go check it out. One last note user chally over on bgg wrote up an amazing review so if you're craving even more from folks singing the praises of this awesome game definitely go give it a read it's worth your time and that's CAVUM. if you're looking for an import game or really any game that may or may not be widely available don't hesitate to contact velma at games gamesurplus.com and she'll get to it and work her magic And when you do, please remember to tell them Heavy Cardboard sent you.
1: Our website is heavycardboard.com. Our email address is contact at heavycardboard.com. We love to hear from you guys, so please send us email or follow us on Twitter at Heavy Cardboard. Our Facebook page is Heavy Cardboard. Our Instagram is Heavy Cardboard. And our BGG Guild number is 2044. And our patreon is patreon.com slash heavy cardboard
0: all right so let's put a bow on this thing and wrap it up but before we go there's one last thing here that i wanted to mention there are monthly quote unquote heavy games on your table geek list that a lot of elephants are posting in that uh, i think it's eight bit geezer mm-hmm. i think is, is who started yeah. it out yeah um so People are posting what they're playing each month and it's just another cool way to interact with folks with similar tastes in games, both inside and outside the guild. So go check it out and we'll link to it in the show notes. So you got anything else?
1: Not really, guys. Just looking forward to playing some more games like always and looking forward to feeling better.
0: Yeah, I hope you feel better. Definitely. Um, but yeah, on the game point, uh, on the game front, Gahara. can't wait. Really looking forward to getting that flight. Yeah,
1: me too. And uh Dana loves anything Asian. She loves Japanese stuff, so I think she's gonna like Sekigahara, which is awesome because then we could maybe get two ladies playing Sekigahara.
0: That's cool. There needs <laughs> to be more of that rock on. Yeah, good stuff. All right, so we'll catch you guys and gals in two weeks with our feature review, Seki Gahara. And don't forget, Conclave of Gamers this week or next weekend in Denver, Colorado. If you're in town, come say hi to us if you come. For
1: sure. We'll be having on some heavy cardboard gear and we'll have Twitter up and everything. So hit us up if you guys are going to be around. We'd like to meet you guys.
0: Cool. We'll catch you all then.
1: Bye, guys.
0: Bye.